This is episode number 325 with James Wilkes, the star of The Game Changers, which is the best-selling documentary of all time on iTunes. Welcome to The Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? If you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. Make sure you check it out today. This episode is brought to you by Bio-Optimizers. You guys know I'm a massive health nut. And what I've learned through all my study is that there's one mineral that you need to make sure that you're getting enough of, and that is magnesium. Now, magnesium is the body's master mineral, powering over 300 critical reactions, including detoxification, fat metabolism, energy, and digestion. Now, most supplements contain only one to two forms of magnesium when there are seven that your body needs and benefits from. The good news is, is that when you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded from your brain to your sleep to pain and inflammation. It all improves and fast. That's why I'm so excited that my friends over at BioOptimizers have formulated Magnesium Breakthrough, the ultimate magnesium supplement with all seven forms of magnesium. For 10% off with the code MA, head to magbreakthrough.com forward slash MA. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com forward slash M-A. Bio-optimizers are so confident that you'll love it that they'll give you all your money back if you don't. How awesome is that? So head to magbreakthrough.com forward slash MA to get yourself some magnesium today. James is the creator and producer of the game-changing documentary, Game Changes. He is an MMA fighter who is best known to many as the winner of The Ultimate Fighter. He trained in traditional striking martial arts. He is a black belt and instructor in Taekwondo and assistant instructor in Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, as well as being an instructor in the British Combat Association. He is also a qualified instructor in connection with several armed forces and law enforcement bodies. He is one epic human, and I'm so excited to dive into today's episode because in this episode, we chat about the truth about eating animal products, how James's UFC body transformed after embracing a plant-based diet, 
how outdated beliefs and rituals surrounding meat consumption are increasing disease on a global scale, the ideal diet for our earth to reverse climate change, how Game Changers the documentary has transformed millions of people's mindsets, the certified experts and resources that you can turn to, a typical day on his plate, how to make eating whole foods fun, varied, and super delicious, because that is so important. Three easy steps to transition to a plant-based diet and how you can guide your loved ones too, plus so much more. And for everything that James and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 325. But before we dive into today's conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it is from Megan Wilson. It's a five-star review. And it's titled, Your Podcast is Like a Soul Warming Hug. And she says, Whoa, you are such a shining star and guiding light for so many of us. Your podcast messages are like soul warming hug on a day when you need it most. You seem to always ask your guests the right questions, of which many I'm thinking and always open my mind to new items and concepts that have had a big impact on my life so far. All I can say is that I'm so thankful to have found your inspiring books and podcasts. Keep up the amazing work that you're doing, sister. You are creating a wellness revolution that I'm so proud and excited to be part of. Much love, Megan. Thank you so much, beautiful lady. I'm so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I want to gift you my wildly wealthy guided meditation as a little thank you to you and anyone who leaves me a review. All you have to do is send a screenshot to hello at melissarambrosini.com and I will email that over to you. And if you want to get your hands on my Bursting With Love guided meditation, you can leave a review on Amazon for Mastering Your Mean Girl or Open Wide or both. And again, send me a screenshot. Okay, now let's dive in. Let's bring on the epic James Wilkes. James, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? I had some oatmeal with oatmeal with berries, flaxseed, peanut butter, and banana. Yum. So good. That sounds very similar to what my husband and I have for breakfast. So delicious. Now, I am pumped to chat to you because I first discovered you via the documentary Game Changers, which I absolutely loved. I thought it was such a brilliant documentary. I think everyone needs to watch it and we can link to it in the show notes so people can watch it. You played a huge role in that hit documentary, which is now the most purchased documentary on iTunes, I think, which deserves a massive congratulations. So tell us how you got here. Tell us the story. How did you get involved in Game Changers? How did this all unfold for you? Yeah, so I was, you know, I was a UFC fighter, right? I'd won the Ultimate Fighter and I was training for a fight and got injured and thought, you know, how can I spend my time productively? I knew I was going to be out for at least six months. So I thought, well, I think I know quite a bit about nutrition, but maybe, you know, what I eat could help me recover quicker and then perform better once I was back back at training. And so I started digging into the, the research, right? Before I used to read like blogs and websites and stuff like that. And I thought I knew a lot, but I started looking into the peer-reviewed nutrition on peer-reviewed research on nutrition. 
And that's when I came across a study about the Roman gladiators, and it showed that, you know, they analyzed the bones, strontium calcium analysis, radioisotope analysis, and they could tell they're reading, you know, almost exclusively plants. And I thought, well, that can't be true because you've got to eat meat and, and berry or eggs at every meal. You know, before that, I literally would have done that. I never would have eaten a meal that was just from sort of plant-based foods. So I thought that can't be true. So I started, that really got me really wanting to dig in, into it more. And also I started then looking for examples of athletes who were on plant-based diets. And the research, the more and more research I did, the more and more I realized that, you know, one of the main concepts that I learned is that animals are just the middlemen and you can go straight to the source and get your protein from plants. And so I, I woke up at two one morning and I felt like I'd been lied to, and I hate being lied to. And so I thought, I got to make a, I got to tell everyone about this. And I thought, well, I got to make a documentary. And I just, I just couldn't go back to sleep. And I got up and I started sort of, you know, putting the ideas for the documentary together. And, you know, it took a long time. It wasn't until the next year that I met Joseph Pace, who became the other producer. And then we sort of just started building from there. So that's how it all got started. Oh, I love that. There's so much I want to dive in with you. But can you just go back? Something you said, you discovered the animals were the middleman. What does that mean? Well, you know, all, all the nutrients that you need are, you know, basically originating from plants. And, and when I say plants, I mean, colloquially also like mushrooms or, you know, you can get omega-3s from algae instead of fish, you know, so, but essentially animals are just consuming the plants and then passing those nutrients onto you. And what they're really doing is a disservice. So they're absorbing a lot of the beneficial, you know, they're, they're absorbing the phytonutrients, they're using up the fiber, and then they, so they're, they're robbing the food of that, and then you're eating their flesh, basically, right? You're eating the muscle tissue of the animal, or the milk, or the eggs. And they're adding in saturated fat and cholesterol and a lot of other inflammatory mediators like TMAO, advanced glycation end products, all of these things that we're now learning about can cause inflammation in the body. And so... You know, they're just the middlemen. Your best to cut out the middlemen, go straight to the source. One of the other things is that as you go up the food chain, toxins and pesticides, heavy metals, things like that, they bioaccumulate in the animal's tissue and then they biomagnify up the, what they're called the trophic levels up the food chain. So, you know, most people know about mercury and fish, right? The smallest fish, maybe they're eating the krill or the algae and then the bigger fish, those fish and bigger. And the mercury can be up to a million times the concentration, the amount per gram in the largest fish compared to the water surrounding it. But this is true for pesticides and all these other things. The concept still applies. As you go up the food chain, you're just getting more and more of that, that stuff that you don't want. And so they're just the middlemen. You're best to cut out the animals and get the nutrients from the source, which is plants. Mm, I love that. Such a simple thing. When you kind of explain it like that, it's like, okay, well, yeah, why would I go through this middleman when I can just go straight to the source. So that, I really love that. So how do you feel? How long have you been plant-based now? And how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling great. The documentary took a long time to make. So we actually started the, the process in 2011. You know, originally bought a used camera off of Craigslist. I'm not sure if you have that where you are, but, you know, just bought a used camera online, went onto YouTube, learned how to do like the, the three-point lighting for the interview setup. And it took a while. We didn't do our first preliminary round of filming until... 2013. I mean, I'd shot a bit of footage on that used camera, but it sort of just took a long time. And so I've actually been plant-based now for eight, eight years or a little bit more, eight years, I would say, yeah. And do you feel in comparison to when you weren't plant-based, what is the difference in your body? How do you feel different? 
Yeah, I mean, my endurance improved, which I show in the film with the battling ropes. I went from like eight minutes to doing an hour. And then what I don't mention in the film is that my strength also improved. So my deadlift went up, my bench press went up. So just the overall feeling great. And now I'm 42 and I feel, you know, I feel like I'm in better shape being out, you know, whether endurance or strength from when I was actually fighting in the UFC. So I definitely feel that wouldn't have been the case had I stuck with, you know, the diet that I was on before. I think there's a massive misconception, especially with men, that they think they've got to bulk up and they've got to eat, you know, a predominantly animal-based diet. My brother is a professional rugby union player. And so he is running at like a hundred kilo men, you know, like it's crazy what he does. And I just, I just think, wow, you are amazing. And it's interesting because I've chatted to him about this. He's watched the documentary and even him, he feels better. He has less inflammation in his body when he is eating more plant. He feels better. He wakes up with not as much soreness or stiffness. So where did this programming come from that in order to be strong and fit and robust and masculine that you have to eat so much animal products? Well, I think there's a sort of very basic mindset, right? That if, when you're eating an animal, you're basically eating its muscles. And so the sort of at a very base level before humans were very intelligent. And they're probably thinking, well, if I eat the muscles of an animal, I'm going to get more muscles and build strength. So there's, there's probably something there. Of course, that's as silly as saying if you ate a clever person's brains, you become more intelligent. Just that's not no, that's not how it works. And so I think there's that. I think there's also you know some of the hypotheses around it are based on that a lot the women and the children and the sort of grandparents would have been doing the gathering, and they were you know typically when you know, th- you know a long time ago we've been, been around the equator, so plenty of sunshine, plenty of rain. There'd be a lot of plants. And so around 80%, at least, of calories could have been coming from plant-based foods. And so they actually feel that maybe men felt they needed to upplay the role of hunting to sort of, and they'd start having celebrations around hunting and, you know, all these, you know, basically trying to say, look how great we are bringing back these animal foods and sort of upplaying the importance of meat. And then, of course, as time went on, you know, very wealthy people could afford meat and poor people could not afford beet. So it was sort of a symbol of power and wealth. I mean, now where do people go, or at least until a couple of years ago, where do people go if they wanted to celebrate a business deal, go to the steakhouse, right? I think things are changing now, people are realizing. But basically, I think as, as, as countries have become wealthier, they've tried to emulate what the wealthier countries are doing, and that's eat a lot of meat and animal products. So it's sort of seen as like a power and a wealth thing. But unfortunately, there's, you know, in these countries that are wealthier, there's diseases of affluence. And these countries of, uh, in, in the poorer countries, there's diseases of poverty, and they're actually quite different. And so it really comes from the overconsumption of, you know, animal foods, processed foods, of which they've got in wealthier countries. And, and that's leading to these chronic diseases, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, and so on. And it's not from, you know, in the developed world, we're not in a situation where we're getting diseases from a lack of nutrients. It's really from overeating a lot of things. And when you're eating animal products and, and also processed, highly processed foods, you're getting in, you know, too many calories and there's a lot of obesity, obviously. So yeah, I think there's a lot of myths, but it's led to, you know, diseases and in my view, lack of like optimal athletic performance and everything else. There's so much science out there now on the benefits of plants 
Like you can't deny it. You can't hide from it. Like if you are eating a predominantly plant-based diet, like the science is out there now. And so I want to know what is this overconsumption of eating animal products doing to our earth? Not only to us, but what is it also doing to our earth? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible in, in many ways, right? So water pollution from all the manure and the runoff going into rivers and streams and, and polluting the water supply, water shortages because the you know, massive amounts of water. I mean, if you switch to a plant-based diet, you typically save around a million liters of water per person per year. I mean, that's, that's a lot of water, one million liters. So, you know, a lot of unnecessary water. No, no it's not as simple as people think. It's not the water that the cows are drinking, for example, but it's all the water that's necessary to, to grow the grains that are then fed to the cows. You know, there's a lot of sort of complexities there, uh, which people don't sort of get when they first hear about it. And then, of course, pollution. You know, the, the methane is a, a stronger greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. And when that's being emitted, they say that it's around the same you know, the same damage is being done to the atmosphere from factory farming and, and animals as the entire transportation industry. And then also wildlife, you know, the, you know, the, the rainforest is being largely cut down for soy production. And people say, oh, well, vegans and plant-based eaters eat soy. But, you know, the vast, vast majority of that is being fed to livestock, not to humans. And so, you know, land degradation, loss of biodiversity, water shortages, water pollution, you know, it's really one of the leading causes of all of those. So, just from an environmental point of view, we also need to shift away from animal products more towards eating plants. A hundred percent. So what is the ideal diet for our planet that will really help our earth? Yeah, I mean, just again, we're not trying to tell people to go vegan or vegetarian necessarily all the way. The more important thing is to shift to a, just a more plant-based direction. And it's not just that simple. I mean, you know, these monocrops where there's just tons of corn and tons of wheat where they're not rotating it. I mean, it would be better if they were rotating it with, you know, leguminous crops, so legumes that can help nitrogen fixing, put nitrogen back in the soil. But I think just getting a wide variety of plant foods is, is going to be much better than the current situation where people are eating mostly animal foods. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, I love the idea as well of like having a couple of days a week where you just eat plants, you know, and just, you know, not eating it animals every single meal, cutting back to maybe once a day and then just a few times a week. And there's so many little entry points where you can begin that are going to make such a huge impact in your own health and for the planet's health. So I'm really excited about that. And I do feel like there is such a big awakening right now happening with so much science out there, so much information, so many great documentaries like Game Changers, where we are being shown the benefits of these beautiful gifts that Mother Nature has given us, you know, fruits and vegetables, legumes, like all of these gorgeous things that we have access to that we can just literally pick off a tree. We have them right there. And there's no denying that Mother Nature has provided all of this for us so effortlessly for us to thrive on. So there's no denying that. I would love to know if you could go back in time, is there anything you would do differently regarding the documentary? Anything you would add in? Anything you would take out? Well, I think there was there was about 50 or 60 people that we filmed that didn't make it into the film, unfortunately. You need to do like a second edition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we would like to put some of those interviews out. There was a lot of great interviews, great experts and athletes. 
there was just so many great people to include, but you just can't put a four hour documentary out. No one would want to watch it. So that would be one of the things learning to make a, a documentary is you don't, it, it's difficult because you need to like have a lot of footage so you can sort of draw from it. But if you've got so much, first, it takes longer to go through. If we'd have not filmed those people or half of those people, you know, the film, the film would have been out a year or two sooner. I uh, would have cost a lot less money. And so that would be one of the main things. But in the film itself, you know, there's some great science that's come out recently that would have been nice to include in the film, but there's always got to be a cutoff point where you, you just put the film out. But I don't think, you know, I can't think of anything that we would have done differently in the actual film itself. Awesome. Yeah, like I said before, I highly recommend this documentary for everyone. It is such an epic documentary and so, so fun, really fun to watch. You know, I know there's a lot of documentaries out there, especially around health. They're a little bit mundane, a little bit slow, but this is really fun. It's beautifully shot and produced. You had James Cameron involved. For those that don't know who James Cameron is, I don't know how you don't know, but he, you know, did Titanic and Avatar and all of those incredible movies. How did he get involved? How did you get him involved? So we had someone that was helping us from the beginning, a guy called Rip Esselstyn, and he was actually in the film. He's the firefighter in the film that's, you know, and his father is Dr. Colville Esselstyn, who my dad gets on a Skype call with in the, in the documentary. And so he had a contact with James Cameron. James Cameron had watched a documentary called Forks Over Knives, which also has some great information in it. And that James Cameron, like, literally went home, got rid of all the animal products out of his kitchen cupboards and, you know, went plant-based. And so he met the cast of Forks Over Knives. And so Rip just did an introduction through Maria Wilhelm, who's the COO of the, all the Cameron companies. And Jim Cameron was just, you know, so helpful from the very beginning, helped us both with funding, but also, you know, with, with if we had some sort of ideas of what we should include. For example, one of the favorite scenes in the film is the, the erection scene. That is seriously hilarious. I love that. Did he come up with that? He didn't come up with it. We sort of presented it because we'd seen the research on on blood flow from different meals. Like they do, they often do like arterial occlusion where they'll sort of tie off the bicep, they'll eat a certain food, then they open it and see how quickly the blood can flow back. And under ultrasound, they'll look at the blood flow. So those studies have been done for about 20 years. And then we knew about these these penile plethysmographs. These these we use the brand called the Ridges scan, which has been FDA approved and tested. And so we sort of put these two and two together and thought, wait a minute. And we talked to Dr. Spitz, who's the lead delegate of urology, American Medical Association, who was in the film. And we said, you know, we've done this experiment with the dolphins looking at the, you know, the fat in the blood. And we know that that leads to arterial dysfunction and less blood flow. Do you think that that would happen also in the penis? And, And the arteries to the penis are actually some of the smallest in the body. And so you know, erectile function and just the penis in general is often seen as the sort of canary in a coal mine. So if you get erectile dysfunction, you've got arterial disease and it's just showing up there first before your carotid arteries because it's so it's small. And so urologists think, you know, this canary in the coal mine. If you get ED, you're likely going to get heart disease, right? If you don't get run over by a bus or something. Wow. So that's a good indicator. Oh, it's a very good, yeah, very good clinical indicator of heart disease. Yeah. So because arterial disease anywhere is essentially going to mean arterial disease everywhere. It just hasn't shown up as easily in larger arteries, right? So the penis is actually a good place to test your uh, arterial function. And so we threw this idea out. We thought it was a bit too risque or, you know, people would sort of not like it. And James Cameron was like, no, I mean, there's an underlying myth here that real men eat meat. And so you've got to put that scene in the film. So I think if it wasn't for Jim Cameron, 
we might not have had that that scene in the film. So he, yeah, he would get on the phone and be a, a extremely helpful in sort of the whole filmmaking process. As a new filmmaker, my partner, Joseph Pace, had never made a film. And between the two of us, we got some great advice from uh, Jim Cameron. I loved that scene. I thought it was awesome and so good. I have a 14-year-old bonus son. And so it was really great for him to see that too. And also my my younger brother, who's 29. And, you know, it did like click something within him, which is which is so great. So great. What has the overall reaction been from the film? It's been incredibly positive overall. Within a week of the film hitting Netflix, according to many metrics on Google Trends, interest in plant-based eating had more than tripled worldwide. So whether people were looking at plant-based recipes, plant-based eating, there was a more than triple the interest, which is massive. I mean, we also got groups, you know, like plant-based, there was a plant-based group from England that had taken 10 years to get 25,000 followers, and they were sort of really struggling to build their base. And they wrote us and said, within a week of it in Netflix, we've got four times, you know, they had over 100,000 followers. So things really, you know, made a shift. And from some of the plant-based companies were sort of reaching out to us saying, yeah, business has really gone up. And it's funny because some of them were trying to offer a sort of sponsorship to get in the film before, and we didn't take any corporate funding because we wanted the message to stay true to, to what it was and not have people think that it was based on funding for those companies. Yeah, we had 1.5 billion media impressions, including over 35,000 organic press articles about the film. As you said, on iTunes, they listed it as the number one selling documentary of all time within a week of it being listed there. We're also on Yoku, which is a massive platform in China. Reportedly, they have around 800 million viewers, which is twice the size of Netflix. Netflix doesn't give their numbers, but by a lot of metrics, it does appear to be potentially the most viewed documentary of all time, period. So yeah, it's been very successful in terms of you know, changing people's minds. So. Awesome. Well, congratulations. What a huge achievement. That's so awesome. Who are some of your favorite doctors that people listening, because I know there's a lot of people that are like, I want the science. And of course, yes, they can watch the documentary, but maybe they want to go and read some doctor's books and they really want to understand the science behind a plant-based diet. Who are your top three that we can link to in the show notes that people can go and research themselves and get the data and the science themselves so that they feel really confident moving toward more of a plant-based lifestyle. Yeah. So, I mean, the number one that I would say was a doctor that actually was not in the film, but he was one of the scientific consultants. He wasn't our main scientific advisor, but one of the scientific consultants is Dr. Michael Greger. And he runs nutritionfacts.org, which puts out sort of lay videos for lay people you know, two or three minutes long, but it's got all the references. And then once a year, he also puts out sort of an hour-long video on the 15 leading causes of death and how that relates to diet. And he's got some great books, How Not to Die, which is which is different than like how to not die. He's not saying this is how to not die, it's how, how not to die by eating healthfully. In fact, I've got a copy right here. And it's a thick book. It's a chunky book. Well, I think like this, you know, a third of it is like references, I think, because there's so much science in there. It's funny because you didn't you didn't prep me for this, but I also have the second person, which would be Dr. Aaron Spitz. Oh, it's got a sticker on it. But uh, Dr. Spitz's book, The Penis Book. Oh, I haven't read that one. Yeah, and that's got a chapter about diet in there as well, but it's it's just about sort of penis health in general. And I, you know, as you know, he was in the film. Is that more for men? I would say more for men, but I think there's probably some useful information for their partners. You know, if they're uh, interested in advising them to switch to a more plant-based diet and, and so forth. And Dr. Greger has some other great books, How Not to Diet, as well as How Not to Die. 
And he also just came out with a book. I think it's How to Survive a Pandemic as well, because there's obviously a lot of a lot of times there to you know the pro- three out of four pandemics are actually zo- of zoonotic origin, which means they came from animals. And in this case, you know, it was probably from uh, from a wild animal. But you know, the swine flu, the bird flu, and those things, the crowding in factory farms is terrible and sort of ripe for the spreading of disease. So it's another reason to switch to to more plant-based eating and away from factory farms, especially. Oh, I was just going to interrupt and say I've had Michael Greger, Dr. Michael Greger on my podcast, episode 241, that everyone can go and listen to. I'll link to that in the show notes, but it's an amazing episode. So make sure you check that out. Yeah, I know. He's great. And then also, I think the third doctor who is, and this one, he's in the film, who I think is great is Dr. Columbus Batiste who is the chief of cardiology at two Kaiser Permanente hospitals. And I'm not sure if he's got a book out, but he has, he's got some sort of programs and things out there and, and you know put some stuff online on his Instagram page. I think he's definitely worth checking out as well. Awesome. Well, anyone who wants to dive more into the science, they've got three incredible people. They will be busy reading, especially even just How Not to Die. I loved reading that and it's such a great book. So check out those three incredible doctors. Now, I'd love to hear what's next. Like, is there going to be a Game Changers 2? Like, what's next for the Game Changers brand and yourself? Yeah, and there's no plans on Game Changers 2. I don't think I'd want to spend all that time. I mean, we went to four continents, had 600 hours of footage trying to get it. I don't, I don't think I'd want to make another documentary again. But, you know, what we've done since then is, you know, the film has inspired people, but then people are like, well, okay, but how do I eat? So, you know, first of all, we built the website where we put, you know, I think there's like 70 or 80 recipes on there and lots of tips and resources. So we built out Game Changers Movie and we're going to keep building that out. And then, you know, we're still putting stuff out on social media. But basically, so the, the impact campaign from the film and what we're working out on the moment is through Game Changers Foundation, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. And so we're just building out resources for people. We're working with organizations. So, so for example, the film was the first documentary to ever be accredited by the Defense Health Agency of the U.S. Department of Defense. And then the American College of Lifestyle Medicine also accredited it so that every doctor, nurse, dietitian, healthcare provider in the United States could get credits by watching the film, taking a quiz we developed. So we're going to continue to work with organizations like that, develop curricula for healthcare professionals, develop more and more resources for people that want to switch to plant-based eating. And there's some sort of bigger things that we're working on that we'll be announcing here in a few months. But but everything just shift, you know, promoting and providing access to and the knowledge of the benefits of, of plant-based eating and potentially getting into helping coordinate some of our own research as well. Because there's still more research to be done to, to understand why, you know, these things are beneficial. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited for all of that. How can we get game changers in schools? So th- there are schools, they can, like right now, there's a, for schools especially, we do a f- free screening packet. So on the website, they can just get a screening. And, and there's a lot of colleges and schools that have been screening the film. Right now, it's sort of on an individual school and college basis. But if anyone's listening, they want to get in their school, we've certainly been doing that. There's just not like a, you know, a mandatory thing sort of statewide or countrywide at the moment, but I think it should be. <laughs> I think it should be mandatory viewing for Oh my gosh, absolutely. We got that sugar film, you know, that that documentary. We got that into our son's school, which is amazing. And he goes to an all boys school. So I think it would be perfect. So where do we go? Where do we go to get that information? So that's on uh, gamechangersmovie.com. And then there's just the tab somewhere on, you know, how to, uh, it's like a screening 
screening kit. And then, yeah, it's for, for schools and nonprofits and colleges and so forth. It's, it's, there's no charge for the screening fee. Awesome. I'll link to it in the show notes. And I highly recommend anyone listening, you know, if you have kids or if you are a teacher or if you're a principal, let's get this in the school system because it's so important. It's such a powerful message. Tell us what a typical day on your plate looks like. Yeah. So like I said, I often have uh, oatmeal for breakfast. Like sometimes I'll do overnight oats where you can just pour them, you know, the plant milk in the night before, mix it all up. And then in the morning it's ready to go. Or I'll do hot oats in the morning. On the weekends and uh, for breakfast on Sundays, my wife, I'm lucky enough, she makes pancakes or waffles for us from like a whole grain flour. So that's good. And I'll make the, instead of like putting lots of maple syrup on, I'll use, uh, I'll blend dates and berries, you know, in the blender. And then with a little bit of water and sort of make a date syrup, berry syrup out of that. But, you know, from lunch, just depends. Sometimes I'll have like pita bread with hummus and, and veggies. Sometimes just a simple bowl, you know, with a grain like quinoa or rice and some beans, veggies. And again, sauces, which you can buy at the store, but I'll also make them, you know, out of nuts and seeds and things like that in the blender. I mean, all, all the sorts of things that you have normally, you can just switch things out, right? So... For shepherd's pie or cottage pie, whatever you guys call it there, instead of beef, you can use lentils. We'll do that a fair bit. Or lasagna, using tofu sometimes instead, you know, instead of beef. They're just, you know, burritos. You can do pizza still, you know, plant-based. Anything you can think of, there's going to be a simple switch, switch out. And then there's obviously new sort of plant-based recipes that you'll find. You know, I used to eat like just chicken and extra lean turkey, occasionally beef, brown rice, broccoli. It was very boring. And now it's like, there must be like 70 or 80 meals that I say to my wife, hey, we've got to try and eat this once a week because it's so good. And there's just not enough days in the week. So I just find there's a lot more variety now. And then I do have a smoothie sometimes as a snack or just to replace my lunch. You know, I, you don't have to put protein powder in that. You can put, you know, have some protein and fat from nuts or seeds, like hemp seeds or almond butter or peanut butter, fruit, berries, greens. Uh, you can put oats in your smoothie. I mean, there's so many different smoothies you can make. And that gets a lot of the sort of categories in. If you've probably seen Dr. Gregor's Daily Dozen, so it's like a certain amount of servings of, of grains and berries and other greens and cruciferous vegetables. And I think that's a great tool. There's a free app, you know, the Daily Dozen app by Dr. Gregor. And so I just try and make sure I get lots of whole foods in. And that's the important thing, right? It's not necessarily about going vegan, although I don't eat any animal products. It's It's more about getting as many whole plant foods in as possible and really minimizing processed foods and especially minimizing meat and dairy and that sort of thing. But just getting as many whole plant foods as possible. Mm, that's the aim. A lot of people really find it challenging when they embark on, you know, really taking care of themselves and nourishing their temples and upping the plant food that Mother Nature has given us. It can sometimes cause a bit of friction in a relationship or with children. How did your wife respond? And do you have any advice for people in that situation where maybe their partner is just not on board or their kids are just not interested one bit on, you know, eating more plant foods? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was very fortunate, first of all, I would sort of share some of the information with my wife. And so my wife and kids sort of came on the journey with me, essentially, and sort of switched to generally at this, you know, around the same time. We didn't do it overnight. I think that's one thing. But in terms of like, you know, getting your partner on board, the, the most important thing is to show them the film. <laughs> watch it together. Yeah, exactly. And watch it with your kids. Yeah. And then the other thing is, I think, 
you know, sometimes just making the food and, and, and giving it, you know, and sharing it with your partner or your kids and letting them try it. And rather than like pointing out, hey, this is even with friends, right? It's like, hey, this is vegan. You've got to come over and sit this vegan food. It's just, it's just food. Just make the food. And if it tastes good, people will eat it. And then I thought, think also like not being judgmental about people or trying to push them in a certain way. Because at the end of the day, I think people should eat what they want to eat. And don't expect people to go at the same speed as you or go all the way or whatever. So, I mean, you'd hope that people would be willing to at least try some plant-based meals. You know, I know there's some people that say, oh, I've, I've never eaten any vegan food in my life. Well, so they've never eaten a banana or you know, a piece of bread. or whatever. They have really. They just say they don't realize that there's a lot of plant food that they already eat. And that's one thing, right? It's like in terms of transitioning, I think there's like three things that you can do. One is increase the number of plant foods that you already eat. So if you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich once a, every two weeks, you eat it once a week, you know, just ramp that up. And then finding switches. So switching out, you know, milk for a plant-based milk, like soy milk, hemp milk, rice milk, or whatever. Instead of an egg in recipes, you can sometimes use what's called a flax egg, which is like a tablespoon of flax seed ground up with three tablespoons of water and mix it up and it's kind of acts like an egg. So there's, and there's like these plant-based meats now as well, which you can switch out for, you know, regular meat. So that's the second thing. And the other thing is just looking for new recipes and, and trying new things. And so I think between those three, three ways, you can help shift people in a more plant-based direction. Yes. And there, it is so delicious. Like we are not short on incredibly delicious plant-based recipes. You just have to type in Google and so many come up. You've got pages and pages of like, like you said, lentil shepherd's pie and lentil lasagna. Like, oh my gosh, these things are delicious. And if they're not delicious, you need to like work out how to make them delicious because they are delicious. So they're really great tips. Thank you so much. How important is it that we don't preach and, you know, don't try and shove this down our cousins and our friends' throats, you know? Yeah, I think it's better just to lead by example and just eat that way yourself. And if you show up to a barbecue, you know, throw your plant-based burgers on the grill and, and not try and push people too much. I think you can mention resources like a book or a or, or a documentary like ours or whatever. But I don't think you want to be, you know, trying to push people like, hey, you should do this. And and especially like giving people a hard time because of the damage they're doing to the planet or that they're killing animals or they're killing themselves by eating this way. I don't think you, that's the right approach. And that definitely seems to backfire. So I think just, you know, leading by example and just saying, this is working for me. I'm feeling really good. If you're feeling good, then, then oh, I'm feeling good. Having made the switch, like, do you want to try this dish? You know, let people try and try, try them, some of the food. Yeah. Awesome. Lead by example. That's kind of with everything. Just lead by example. Okay. Let's chat now. If you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world, what one book would you choose to put in the curriculum? Besides, I'm, I'm not sure, is Game Changers in a book form yet? No, we don't have a book yet, no. No, okay. But pretend that should be. Otherwise, it would be that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That, that definitely should be. What is one other book that you would choose? Yeah, I'm struggling to not go back to Dr. Greger's book, How Not to Die, to be honest, because I think there's a lot of great information in there. So I'm trying to think of another book that sort of... Because I think the myths themselves are, are important to dispel, but I think in, at a school level, some of those books are, would be a little bit hard to comprehend. Some of the understandings of history and behavioral psychology of why we eat this way. Yeah, I, th I think How Not to Die would be my pick again. Yeah. 
It's such a good book. Essential reading for everyone. I highly recommend it. Okay. Can you talk to us about how your day looks? You've talked to us about a day on your plate. What routines, rituals, you know, do you meditate? When do you work out? Can you kind of talk us through a typical day in your life and how that unfolds? Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not, I wouldn't say it's the same every day. Sometimes I'll get up and just exercise in the morning. I've been doing that quite a bit recently. You know, with this lockdown, had to sort of, you know, figure out what to do at home. And I'm very fortunate. I had a, I have a 350 pound tire from a, a military vehicle sitting at home. So like flipping that and sledgehammer and, you know, throwing medicine balls in the street, basically. I'm not sure how much my neighbors like it with the noise it creates. But so sometimes getting up in the morning doing that or going for a run. I've been running steps recently. I like like a lot of explosive, you know, high intensity interval training work. I'm also fortunate to have, uh, have got mats in my garage and my wife became my training partner, essentially. You know, in this lockdown, there's no one else to train with. So my wife was getting pretty good at uh, jujitsu and martial arts. Uh, so, you know, sometimes work out in the morning and then, you know, have breakfast afterwards and then sometimes in the evening. My wife does some meditation, sort of that guided meditation, you know, with the, with the phone. So I end up sometimes getting in, involved with that just by happen chance, but I don't, I don't typically meditate. I find it so, I find, I just feel so much better if I get exercise in a day. And if I don't exercise, I just sort of, I feel like I have less energy when I, on a day I don't exercise. You know, I feel like if I exercise in the morning, I feel really good for the rest of the day. So really getting exercise in is, is a really key piece for me. And then, you know, really spending time playing with the kids and spending time with my wife. Those are sort of the important, important thing. What's your definition of success? I think achieving something that you want to achieve that is bettering yourself or bettering the world, I would say. I don't think your success should be judged by anyone else's standards but your own. But for me, I think you, you can be successful in lots of things. Like you could be a martial arts champion or a fantastic piano player or whatever. But I think, I mean, for me personally, I feel for me to be successful, I want to make a difference in the world. So once you're at a point where you can make enough money to, to live and eat and, and, and do okay for yourself, it seems like you should spend some of your time helping other people are helping the planet. And hopefully that's what we did with, with the Game Changers. But yeah, I think it does come down to personal personal goals and achieving those goals and not, not trying to bite off too much more than you can chew in one bite, you know, and maybe having some small goals and achieving those. And maybe you have got to push yourself as well, but, but don't go by anyone else's, anyone else's thought process of what you should be or what you should be doing. Yeah, I think we kind of grow up in a world where we're taught that success is this. It is getting the degree. It's going to university. It's it's getting the house, the wife, the kids, the dog. But it's like, what do I actually believe is success to me? And in a lot of my work, I get everyone to redefine their definition of success and recreate it. And then once you have a clear definition of what that means for you, you can then move forward with your goals. And I think that's really important that you mentioned, you know, it just have, it has to be true to us. Whatever your definition of success is, it has to be true to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think so many people are worried about what their peers think or what their parents think or you know, this traditional model. I mean, I think it's it's great for people to get an education, but not everyone wants to get a degree or, you know, follow the, the path and get on the corporate ladder and so forth. So I think I think one of the main things in life too is to do something that you enjoy. So if you can do something that you enjoy that you can also make some money at and also, 
a bonus if you can really do something that's helping other people or helping the planet or helping animals or helping, you know, whatever it is. I think you'll feel better about yourself if you're not just doing things for you, but helping other people. Hmm, Absolutely. So beautiful. Okay. I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? I'm ready. I think I know what the answer to the first one is, but if we could do one thing today to improve our health, what could we do? Well, yeah, I guess it's obvious. Just eat, eat more plants. Eat more plants. Exactly. Whole, whole plant foods, you know, whole plants. Let's not, you know, don't have too much sugar and white flour. I'm not saying never eat that stuff, but eating more, especially legumes, berries, you know, whole plant foods is the way to go. Absolutely. What is one of the most important things that we can do today for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life. I think giving, you know, is you sort of, you know, you reap what you sow. So if you give out to the world, you're going to feel better. And, and that, you know, wealth to me isn't just about money, but about love and relationships and, and everything else. And so I think, you know, giving and, and not just trying to take all the time, you'll actually end up getting more and, and being wealthier in, in many regards, whether it's finance or relationships or whatever. Yeah, beautiful. I agree. And what is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? I actually think, you know, loving yourself is really important. And so I think focusing on that and then other people, I think, will, will love you too. And just being true to yourself and being genuine and not letting all these sort of external pressures of social media and what people think you should be. Being yourself, loving yourself. And yeah, I think that's going to lead to, to, to more love in your life. Mm, absolutely. James, this has been awesome. Is there anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't had a chance to chat about yet? No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think there's, I mean, it's, it's a crazy time in the world, right? With, you know, the pandemic recently and obviously all the issues around Black Lives Matter and we need to support that movement in, in my opinion. And hopefully we'll just keep, everyone keep improving the world and, and every day will hopefully be better than the last. Mm, yes, exactly. And when we can show up as the best version of ourselves and taking care of ourselves, that's when we can really help others. Absolutely. You help so many people. You serve so many people. Just with your documentary alone, you are serving and helping so many people. I'm a big believer in service and I want to know how I and the listeners can serve you today. How can we give back to you? Oh, I appreciate it. I mean, I think it's just sharing the word about the about the documentary and I think I think that's the best way. You know, it's, it's the, people should be able to get it on Netflix or iTunes or wherever else. I think it's even illegally up on YouTube. So if you haven't got any of those, you can always watch it for you there. But just, just uh, sharing the word about the documentary and, and helping dispel the fact that we, we the, dispel the myth that we don't need meat and, and animal protein for strength and health and everything else. Yes, and you could even have uh, game changer parties. Well, I don't know, whatever country you're in, you, you might be allowed to have one or two people over or if you can have a few more, have a few people over if you can and have a game changer movie night and make a beautiful plant-based dish and share that together and educate yourselves. And it's such a beautiful way to bond and connect and get your connection tank filled up and also your learning and educating yourself. So I really want to encourage everyone listening to watch the documentary it is so powerful it is a game changer it truly is the name lives up to it and James I just want to thank you so much for taking your time 
to create it, for investing all of that time and energy and money into creating this documentary. It is so powerful. You've done such a brilliant job. Thank you so much for your time today and all the work that you're doing in the world. I'm so grateful. Oh, same. Thanks for everything you're doing and, and, and thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Wasn't that awesome? I got so much out of today's episode and I hope you did too. If you did, please subscribe and leave me a review on iTunes or on your podcast app because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. It also means that I can keep getting on epic guests like James on the show. And it means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. Don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading what you get from each episode. So please come and share it with me. And for everything that James and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash three, two, five. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so, so, so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there is someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. I think Everyone can benefit from eating more whole food plants. Getting them into your diet, I think everyone can benefit from that. So please share it with anyone and everyone you know. You can take a screenshot. You can share it on your social media. You can email it to them. You could text it to them. Do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And don't forget to go and watch the documentary. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.